This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Forgiving is Forgetting. <laughs> I, I like sit here and think about programs I want to do and I come up with titles and this one's got to take the cake. Um, I, a lot of people never thought about the word f- um, forgiving. But it's such an obvious, you know, it's like, it's forgiving. Because think about it. Someone that you are holding a grudge over, someone you're resenting, tell me, what's your desire to give to them? (laughs) It's like zero desire. You know, that person's ultimately walking around with a curse on their head. Okay, so so I've got like, there's no giving going on over there. And... And amazingly, and we'll be talking about this in the workshop part, which is tomorrow and the next day. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the men's is tomorrow and the women's is the following day. Is that right? And uh, and I'd like to know what time that's going to be. But I, I is it the same time, Yom Tov, do you know, uh, Ariel? T- let me know when you you can unmute. Anyway. I think so, yeah. You just read chat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Three to five. Yeah. Three to five tomorrow. Okay. And uh, this, I don't know how late we'll go. I, I planned at least an hour, but maybe we'll do a little more. I always have my. What I wanted to share is that um, is that there have been times where, you know, I was holding resentment of someone, and we'll talk about this a bit tomorrow. But I realized, you know, it it's eating me up, and we're going to talk about that right now. But it was eating me up. And I realized, hey, there's Sheila. Hi, Sheila. And and so it was eating me up. And I was, I realized, I just got to sponsor this guy. And the guy needed some help. And so I just said, you know what? I'm just going to help him. Because you know what happens when you help someone? You want to see them win. You want to see them succeed. Meaning I was just plotting this guy's downfall. And... And then I realized, no, I'm going to become his sponsor. We love people we invest in. We just love people we invest in. Hey, people, people like pick a lousy stock and kick themselves for picking it. And then it starts to rally. And they're just like, they're like blessing the CEO. You know, they're like Sparty on, you know, when they come into shul with the CEO, kissing their eyes and hands. And, and meanwhile, they were, they were like cursing them a minute before. But now it's like they're an investor. So, so anyway, that's part of it. That's going to be part of it. We'll, we'll talk about that more tomorrow, how to sponsor someone that you don't like very much. Now, so it works like this. Resentment is basically poison. And when we resent someone, we just poison ourselves. And over and over and over and over and over. You know, we, we're relentless. I mean, we, we, our, our brain will manufacture, like, diatribes. When we're, when we're in the middle of doing something we normally would enjoy, we're not even going to enjoy it. You know, I mean, if you're full of resentment and you're sitting in a bathtub, I don't care if there's lavender oil, candles, light music playing, you're literally going over in your mind this person you're resenting at the time. It steals our lives. It literally rips us off. We become hijacked by our resentment of others. And it's... You know, this is a very disturbing aspect of our lives. And there's got to be a way out of it, which is exactly what we're doing here, because there is a way out of it, and you don't have to have resentment. 
if I told you some of the things that people have done to me, you know, I'm a bit of a public figure, and that means getting trolled once in a while. You, you, you know, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. I've been attacked. And I've had, when I was younger and dumber, I let myself, I let myself so full of raging anger for being attacked for nothing by random, by a random person who like, who like, you know, I didn't even know. And, and, you know, and, and just destroyed by this person to this day, by the way, I cannot speak in that city. Like I, you know, I was speaking around the world, not so much lately, but I was speaking around the world and there's a city I don't go to because of this, you know, because this, this person just went for the full on, like, like destroy your next world Motsi Shamra campaign against me. You know, we're going back like 10 years. I ate my heart out for a year straight. I called people to help me. I wrote raging emails that they were like, don't send, don't send. Like I've meeting rabbis are like, don't send. You know, I've learned like you never send something when you're upset. And, um, and I really ate myself alive. And not only that, but, but at the time it, there was so much acidity. Listen to this. Our bodies react to resentment. There was so much acidity in my stomach that, that, you know, you know, your stomach has a certain acidity and meaning it's, that's called your pH. So your stomach has a certain pH. When you have resentment, the pH goes up. It happened to me. I mean, I knew about it, but I never had it happen. But that year it happened because it was like ongoing. I couldn't get rid of the resentment and the acidity in my stomach built. What happens if it builds up enough, it actually presses up against the sphincter, which is a little muscle at the bottom of your esophagus, your food pipe. It presses up against it and can actually weaken the muscle till it starts letting up the acid reflux. And some people have it so bad that their food comes up. I didn't have that. But next thing I know, I'm like in the hospital for acid reflux. Doctors are all like, yeah, this is irreparable and et cetera, et cetera, you know. And, you know, I'm, I'm just totally miserable. And again, eating my heart out. I was at Simcha's. I'm not at the Simcha. I'm, I'm still you know, reviewing and, and, and practicing my thoughts on this situation and on, you know, and, and, and it was, and it wasn't like, you know, and it wasn't, and it does, it's usually not just one person, you know, we like, we'll create a gang of people around that one person. Maybe it's their whole family now, or, or maybe it's, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, I was miserable. And I finally got to what we'll be doing in this workshop is I finally forgave them. All of them, all of them, you know, including the, the, uh, including the based in of the place that, you know, that just said like guilty until proven innocent. And I was like, hello, like you, you got a fellow rabbi here, you know, versus some nutcase, you know, and, and anyway, but I forgave them all. And as I forgave them, the acid, um, the, the pH in my stomach went back to normal. And the irreparable, you know, the irreparable acid reflux went away. You know, and, and I was fine. And they, they should be blessed. And all those people should be blessed. And they, they should be blessed to do Teshuvah Shlema. <laughs> And they should be blessed to have a Rafua Shalema as well, because they're not, you know, these people obviously aren't very well. Um, 
you know, I'm not telling I'm blessing them, you know, to like uh, win the lottery or anything. I'm just saying, you know, they shouldn't get more power than they already got, actually. But the uh, but they should certainly be blessed to to be well, because there's there's a there's a serious lack of wellness over there in that story. Now, um, what we'll be doing uh, tomorrow with the men and the women in the next day, um, and I, I strongly advise joining me for that. I imagine it costs something. <laughs> Leave it to me to not know when it was, when we're men and women, and how much it costs. Um, Ariel, do you have any idea how much it costs to do the workshop? Does anyone know how much it costs? It's like $47 and change. Oh, okay. Anyway, it, it's it's a lot cheaper than acid reflux, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's a lot cheaper than Tums, you know. And, uh, and anything else. And don't forget, holding on goes straight to digestion as well. So, you know, go look up Louise Hay on, on uh, constipation and you'll find, you'll find the, the mantra you're supposed to say is life flows through me. That's the, that's the uh, you know, life flows through me as opposed to me holding on to stuff. Okay. So, so the uh, yeah, this is, this is definitely a, a money savings. But we'll, we'll be doing that workshop, and what we're going to do in the workshop is we're going to actually work through very specific things, and and it's going to be in two themes. One theme will be the theme of you forgiving others, which will heal your life, and the, and the second theme will be how to get forgiveness, how to get forgiveness from others. Now. I want to mention that I understand that people get resigned about this stuff. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know who to ask, but is anyone there over 40? Yeah, Keith, you over 40? Okay, Shai, you're over 40? Yes. Okay, I'll work with Keith. Uh, since Shai's my chavruza, and we can work tomorrow when we do Duff, you know what I mean? So, um, Keith, can you imagine if you were totally clean with every person you ever met? Like, if you were able to clean all that up? Um, what that would take. So I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest to you right now, Keith. Don't even think about that because you'll quit now. the The point is, is that I get asked to breathe like just a Yeah. <laughs> so, so the point is, is that is that we are we are our job is not to get totally clean with everybody. Maybe by next year. I'm not asking you before Yom Kippur. Now, why are we doing this during the ten days? Is Yom is because um, God does not forgive you for, for any um, stuff you have between someone else. I mean, if you need forgiveness, God doesn't forgive you for that. you got to get it from them. God's forgiving us during these 10 days for stuff between us and God. You and others, not. That you have to go to them. Now, you can look up how to do that, specifically regarding halacha. Like, for example, if they're particularly stubborn, it's not enough you ask for forgiveness, but you've got to ask them three times. You've got to bring witnesses. And the sad thing is, is whatever... I, I wouldn't even ask someone a third time because whatever... If you go and do it according to Jewish law and they don't forgive you the third time, so then whatever you did to them is their sin now. It lands on them, which is pretty freaky. So I, I, like, I don't want to do that to anybody, you know? I, I, don't want their, I don't want the weight of my sin on them. And so maybe it's not such a great what idea... If it's not uh, the what if the the request for forgiveness is not sincere? 
Yeah, if, they don't even know what they did or they if they did anything to you or if or whatever, you know, just the shallow, superficial. Yeah, yeah. Like, so so you'll see um what's your first name? You don't it won't give away too much. I, what's your first name? Abigail. I was in the class with me, Holly. Oh cool. <laughs> hey, how's it going? So um so Abigail, there's um we're gonna be learning actually in the workshop how to forgive people who never would even ask you. If you gave them a million bucks, they wouldn't ask for forgiveness. It's actually, there's a name for it. It's called the gift of forgiveness because usually forgiveness is earned. And this, meaning, why do we forgive someone? Because they put their tail between their legs and they groveled up and said, I'm sorry. And I'm talking for, I'm talking sincere for apologies. And then you're like, oh my gosh, you earned it, man. Because you are, you know, totally humbling yourself that you're asking forgiveness right now. And, th and then we forgive them. But in the, uh, in the, we're going to do, in our workshop, we're going to go way beyond that. We're going to be forgiving people who didn't even ask. And why? Forgetting. Forgetting because you need a life. And as soon as you have resentment, you don't have a life. And so forgiving is forgetting. So you can get, you can live your life like a normal human being, not full of, uh, you know, constant rumination over, over these wounds that were caused by people. And obviously we'll deal with parents. That's very important. Um, that's probably one of our biggest forgivenesses. And we have aunts and uncles and <laughs> grandparents and, um, and yeah, we gotta, we got we got work to do. So it's going to be in two things, two stages. One stage will be the forgiveness that uh, we're going to give and the other is how to get it like how to actually receive forgiveness from people and and it's and you'll be shocked at, at what it takes and it's so worth doing it's just so worth doing and i i have i have asked forgiveness in such extreme situations <laughs> meaning i've just shared a torah class with all torah sources and and gotten some girl so freaked out in the class that she bursts out crying and runs out and and i'm like okay um you know okay so you know i guess the truth hurts you know because i did not first of all i was sensitive i asked afterwards i asked the group i said was i sensitive and they were like you were extremely sensitive and you were not there was no point at any point in this class where you could have figured out and we reviewed the class online where there was anything offensive that took place in that class. Nothing happened offensive. Nothing. No apologies necessary here. And it was a Torah class. Now, um, but I had a little issue. And what was that issue? And by the way, I had no idea who this girl was. But I had a little issue. What was the issue? She ran out of the class crying. And then went straight back to some group she was part of that was at Asia Torah. That group. Like 50 kids on a bus. And... And the, the crying to them, and then the, the counselors went to Aish and said an Aish rabbi offended one of their participants. I wasn't even teaching this group. And, and so next thing I know, I'm called into an office in the administration, and they're like, you've really offended someone in one of our groups. And, um, and we'd like you to apologize. And I was like, no problem. Why? Because I didn't become a rabbi to offend anybody. I'm not here to offend people. And if I offended someone, you better bet I'm going to apologize. For sure I'll apologize. 
But I, I had great timing, you know why? Because when I went to find the girl, she was in the middle of a big meal in our dining room with the 50 kids. Now, all these 50 kids know that she got offended because it was a big stink in their group. And I just got everyone's attention. And I, like, literally, like, went, I didn't go down on a knee, but it was like I went down on a knee and begged forgiveness from this girl. And I almost cried, and I was like, that you came all the way to Jerusalem on this holy pilgrimage only to get offended by a rabbi. <laughs> it was crazy, but it, and I was not being just theat. I was being theatrical, but I wasn't making it up. I was being real. It was total authenticity. I gave my life for these kids. I literally, think about it. <laughs> you know, I totally gave my life for thirty years working at Ashatar for these kids, that maybe they would have a home that reflects Judaism in some kind of way. That's I gave my life for that girl, and that she should run out offended. Anyway, so check this out. On my way out of the building, she comes running up to me and she says, can we speak? And I was like, yeah, we could definitely speak. So, so I took her to another dining room that was empty next door. And uh, we sat down and she bursts out crying again. And she says, Rabbi, it wasn't so much that you offended me. I'm the only one in my group that was raised observant. And while you were turning on all those kids about Judaism, you were touching my heart about the mistakes I've made in having changed my lifestyle and left Judaism. And all you did was strike the chord inside of me and of truth. And I'm sorry you had to, <laughs> she apologized to me. I'm sorry you had to come and apologize to my whole group over this because it's, it's me. It's me. And anyway, check this out. I never spoke to her again, but my madrachim later, sorry, her madrachim, who knew who I was, because they're part of the whole gang of people who are madrachim in Jerusalem, came to me later. She left the trip. She left that trip. It was some super secular, like, go to Masada and swim in the Dead Sea and some, you know. She left their trip and went to seminary and... Like, she had to go buy a wardrobe. She didn't have one outfit that covered any part of her body. She she went and bought a wardrobe and went to seminary. She's today married with children, totally observant today. You can apologize even when you didn't do nothing wrong. And you never know what can come from, from cleaning things up with people. And that's like a whole, that's taking it to a whole another level because you didn't even do anything, but someone got offended. And, and yeah, go apologize. Can, can I ask a question on that? Yeah, sure. Uh, because I actually had that a while ago where I apologized for something I didn't do. I just listened to that, you know, she and whatever. And recently, right before this holiday, I got, oh, you see, and you admitted that you did da, 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 and that whatever. And I was like, you know. <laughs> they said that to it you? It doesn't always necessarily work. They, they said. Yes, they wrote it to me. They emailed it to me. <laughs> so, uh, Abigail, you can't let that be a rule. <laughs> That's a total anomaly. And also, um, I would never lie. You understand? I would never lie. I'm not going to tell someone I did something I didn't do. You understand? So, if you, it's very nice. You just said, if, if, if you're 
if you think I did that, then I apologize. That's what I said. She oh. Said, I didn't say I did that. Cause okay. Yeah. You know, but then it became, oh, you admitted or whatever. I was like, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it backfired. It backfired on you a little, that one. Okay. Whatever. You still get it. You still get the, you get it. You get an A plus for apologizing for something you didn't do that they thought you did. Okay. So. And and you certainly showed effort to create more one more achdus more um, unity. Now, so here's here's something crazy. Have, has anyone here ever been stung by a bee? I bless you to never be stung by a bee again. But has anyone here been stung by a bee? Now, um, Shai, you raise your hand. Can you raise your hand again if you didn't even see it coming? Ever did it ever happen to you when you didn't even see it coming? Yeah, it's happened to me several times in my, you know, as a kid. Where I got stung, I had no idea there was a bee there. Yeah, I sat down on one at once. I, I had, had had one sting me once in Miron. You know, when I got stung in Miron, it was 15 minutes before after Shabbos, and I had a full allergic reaction. And the Rav, Rav uh, Schnitzler there, who's in charge of all the foods, food output, but he's like a big white-bearded, like very important rabbi there. And he uh, he tells his he tells his son go get me my phone I'm calling an ambulance, and I said to him 15 minutes before Shabbos goes out like I'm not I mean I'm probably not dying, and he's like get my phone I'm calling I'm calling an ambulance from Svat, and uh, it was amazing to see like like someone like that and that stature, and in his own Shabbat experience, and just. There's no Shabbat when there's someone in trouble. So, anyway, um, but ever since then, when you look at my, every single time I go to a doctor, it says allergies, it says bee sting (laughs) for like 15 (laughs) years. I guess I'm allergic to bees, I have no idea. But certainly I was allergic to that one. Now, here's the thing. When you get a bee sting that you did not see coming, what happened was a bee felt threatened. And how do you know that bee felt threatened? It felt threatened because bees die. I mean, not hornets and wasps. The regular bumblebee dies when it stings you. What happens is the stinger is underneath the belly. And when it stings, the belly gets ripped out with it. And that's why if you ever pull a stinger out, you use the tweezers all the way at the very tip of the stinger. Because if you squeeze the belly part, you push in all the venom. And uh, it creates much more of a reaction. So, but it kills the bee. So the bee basically dies while it's willing to die while feeling threatened, which is a little bizarre. I mean, that's certainly, you know, God could have worked on that particular design maybe a little better because, you know, you're not supposed to die when you're feeling threatened with your defense mechanisms. But it probably, though, has some other, like, larger um, effect on a hive, you understand that that bees are are designed to sacrifice. I mean, think how much they sacrifice for the queen bee, spending their whole day, their whole day getting pollen, which they're going to bring ultimately to the queen bee. So they're already pretty self-sacrificial in their style, bees. But the um, anyway, but the bee sacrifices its life. Its life. Now, what do we do? This is obviously an analogy. You did not come to a bee class. And um, what do we do when you are feeling threatened? 
So you may not sting the person directly, but you're going to sting them as we spoke about in your mind. Constant stinging. And it's going to kill mm -hmm. you. You understand? It's going to ruin your life. So it's very strange, this defense mechanism where we feel threatened by this this person or we're hurt by them and and it causes our own demise. Our own demise. That that venom is within us. And 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 we we die in the process. And when I say we die in the process, I don't mean just a little. I mean we already spoke about acid reflux. We also spoke about constipation. But but there's a whole other thing. Oh gosh, who can remind me? Uh, Sheila's probably the best at looking this up. But it's the um, when you're in an emergency, you have a certain kind of st stuff that goes in your blood that's for emergencies. Uh, Shy, you know the name? Adrenaline. No, no, it's not adrenaline. No, adrenaline. Cortisol. Thank you. Cortisol. <laughs> cortisol. Yeah, very good. So cortisol is an aging agent, and it's also an emergency enzyme or <laughs> gland. Or I don't know what it is. I'm not a scientist, but it's an emergency something that goes into your bloodstream and it ages you. Um, I don't know if you can tell that my hair is a little grayer. Does anyone notice my hair got a little grayer? Uh, it's probably hard to tell because I, I got it all cut off for Rosh Hashanah. I got my little race card. I love putting tefillin on short hair. So, so the, um, anyway, my hair turned a little grayer. Why? Because I just had one of the greatest emergencies of my life and two weeks of insane, you know, pain management. And there was a lot of cortisol in my bloodstream and I got older in the last two weeks. Um, that is mostly triggered by anxiety, much more than resentment. Cortisol is triggered by anxiety because what's anxiety? I think of the anxiety I had, you know, with my leg in two pieces on a, on the, on a dirt floor in a, you know, in a, at the edge of a trail in, in the mountains of Israel, you know, like that was major anxiety. That was huge crisis, but, but there's a very correlated crisis with resentment. When you've got burning resentment in, in you about somebody that's ongoing because it just doesn't get resolved. You're, you're just plan an early grave because it, it's just, it, it eats you up, literally ages you. It is, you should definitely, everyone here who has an ability to Google should be Googling the term cortisol and how to avoid um, having it excreted in your bloodstream. Now, clearly, it's super, um, super, uh, you know, it's clearly super important. Um, Sheila looked it up. It says, high cortisol and aging associated with psychosocial stress. There you go. Psychosocial stress. Psychosocial stress. Poor cognitive performance. No, thank you. Um, hey, what's up, Dr. Darren? Uh, uh, poor cognitive performance. Atrophy of memory. Atrophy of memory-related structures in the brain, such as the hippocampus. Nobody wants resentment in their lives. Okay, You just don't want that inside of you. And... Um, and so, and so that's our work. Now, when you forgive somebody, well, before I tell you when you forgive somebody, is that when you resent somebody, there's the famous line for possibly you graduates, which I'm sure many of you are, 
is, and by the way, I'm coming to America. Coming to America. Anyone saw the movie Coming to America with uh, the prince? Uh, I forgot his name. Anyway, great, great sh movie. But I'm, I'm coming to America for my son's wedding. Thank God. Um, Zayn Cheshvan. And may all the single people find their true soulmates. That'll be in Budapak in Brooklyn. Everybody's invited for the dancing. Uh, bring your mask. And um, um, although in Borough Park, no one wears them. And the uh, and then I have five possible live seminars. I'm making up for everything missed. You ready for this? Brooklyn on November 1st. Muncie, Brooklyn's men, November 1st. Men and women's Muncie, November 8th. Men and women's Lakewood, November 16th. With Hashem's help, only if Hashem says. I tried to do this two, a month ago, and I wound up with a broken leg. So, please God, we're going to make this happen this time. And for any of you who didn't experience the Paspio in person, you'll thank me that I mentioned it just now. And I wish I could show you all my WhatsApps from people who are... I'm getting all these WhatsApps saying... They're, they're often from whole groups, and they're like, who would have dreamed a year ago that this would be where we're holding today in our lives? And, and it's just really a game-changer. So please join me for that. Um, so here's the line. Res um, when you resent someone, it's when you wish someone would die, but you drink the poison. Resentment is when you wish someone would die, but you drink the poison. Because that person just goes on with their life. They moved on already. And they, 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 some of them don't even know they did it. And they, they just move on. You're like a, you were like a bump in their road. And they've driven off into the distance. You're the one eating your heart out. And every time you think about them, you get a little more poison inside. Every time. And the... And so... And so it is absolutely obligatory that we release these, these poisons. We've got to spit it out. We've got to spit out the poison of resentment out of our lives. And here's the great line that I love. I, I, I saw it about two years ago. I've been using it ever since. Is that when you forgive somebody, it's when you let someone out of jail only to realize that person is you. I'll repeat mm. that again. When you forgive somebody, wow. it's when you let someone out of jail only to realize that person is you. And you can really live that way. And I've been living that way. And as I said earlier, I told a story uh, or two um, that I've been majorly harmed over the years. And, and I have almost never been asked for forgiveness. Almost never. I just recently... I brought 20 um, men to a minion in a shul uh, after a third meal. And the, the man who's in charge of that shul says, uh, he says, we're about to start. And he's like, you can't pray here. He comes up to me and he says, you can't pray here. And I just brought all these men into the shul. So I, I kind of whispered to him quietly. I said... I said, listen, um, 
uh, and this was during the three weeks, by the way, the meaning of the three weeks of the destruction of the temple. So I said to the guy quietly, I said, listen, I'm happy never to pray here again, you know. But uh, it would be a little embarrassing having just brought all these men in here to tell them that, you know, that I have to take them somewhere else. You know, we're in the shul. All he was doing was studying in the corner. And, uh, and he's like, he's like, no. And then I realized, oh my gosh, this guy's like digging in his heels about this. I wouldn't have been that embarrassed, but whatever. It just seemed wrong, you know, guy sitting by himself in a synagogue. So, so I, I, I said to him, I said to him, I will pay the, I will pay all utilities for this shul for the next month if you don't embarrass me right now. And he was like, get out. And, and then some guy who was studying on the other side of the room stands up and he says, this is a, this is a desecration of God's name that you should throw these men out of the shul right now who came in here to pray for 15 minutes. <laughs> anyway, it was such a disaster. And the, anyway, so we left, but I realized this poor guy is like, got this now on his, now this is on his file. Having done that, I mean, how can you do such a thing? And we left, we went and prayed somewhere else, but I went, I, I, luckily I know the guy's son-in-law. So I go up to his son-in-law and I said, listen, like, this is what happened. You know, he would never apologize in a million years, but I just don't want this on his file. You know, like you mind speaking to him about it. Anyway, I get a knock on my door two days later and he asks forgiveness as best as he could. And, uh, but here's the cool part. Uh, during Corona, he sees me with my broken leg on crutches, come kind of hobbling up to, uh, it was a Kiddush Levana, Sanctifying the Moon. And I joined that group, Sanctifying the Moon. And he, he actually came up to me afterwards, some maybe year later, maybe now. He comes up to me. This was last month. And he comes up to me and he says, uh, by the way, when you forgave me a year ago, do you really forgive me? That was the real, that wasn't the son-in-law version. That was the his version. And I said, I actually really forgave you. And, I, and I'm just letting you know again, I forgive you 100% for what you did. And now true forgiveness would be if I could go there with a minion and he would not say anything, but whatever. Uh, by the way, I'd only done that. I'd only brought groups there to pray after my third meal, maybe about 50 times prior. So just I had bad timing with him sitting in there. Now, um, uh, let's get moving, everybody. Uh, we're going to talk about two subjects. One is uh, the one I spoke about already, which is forgiving. And, um, and this second subject is, is, it's not forgetting. The second subject is asking forgiveness. Asking forgiveness. And in the realm of asking forgiveness from people, first of all, it's to do the, the work of figuring out who you've harmed and how you've harmed them. And, and that's deep work. It's very deep work. It includes very much our children, meaning we may have to ask forgiveness from our parents, but with our, our own offspring, there's forgiveness necessary there that we have to ask for. I know before Yom Kippur, I will speak to several of my kids who I feel I could have been there for them better than I was. 
and um, and we could have worked things out better throughout their lives. I mean, I have kids all the way up into their twenties and stuff, so there's there's forgiveness to be had. They're adults now, and there's certain things even in their adult life. This year, I was um, there were times where I maybe gave them too much independence. I'm if I'm gonna err, I know most parents err on overprotection. I err on over independence. And, um, and maybe it was too much for my, you know, my, I just have a daughter married only a year. It could have been, she needed me much more than I was there for her this year. Cause I, I just wanted that couple to solidify themselves. And, you know, there's certain people that spend a little too much time at home their first year of marriage. You know, like they're not, they're kind of like not getting out of the nest properly. And so I, I was, I didn't want that to happen, but. But if it was too much and too fast and too abrupt, so then I'm going to speak to her about that before Yom Kippur for sure. Take responsibility for that. Um, there's also... Neighbors. Neighbors who deal with us. There's also... Um, you might have neighbors also that, um, that you ignore... Um, and they ignore you so everyone's happy, but it could be that they're not that happy. Meaning you thought it was kind of like a, an unwritten agreement that we're just going to kind of mind our own business, but it could be that they would have wanted a little more connection than you gave. Um, financial reparations for um, situations you might have been in where where people feel they that you got more than you had coming to them on their on their uh, account. Probably one of the biggest forgivenesses we need is from spouses. I want to mention also that um, I want to mention also that there's there is. Some people don't want to ask forgiveness of some people, meaning like to come clean with some people, because they don't really like them very much. Meaning, I don't want, I I don't want to have them being angry and and holding this over me. On the other hand, I don't want to have lunch with them every week now. So that's another thing we'll be talking a little bit about that. But I'll just mention now that just because you come clean with someone doesn't mean you're going shopping with them or eating lunch with them or having coffee with them doesn't mean any of that stuff. And you, you can be very straight with somebody. You can say, I know we haven't spoken in five years, and I'm not renewing the relationship. But I do feel like it didn't end with closure. You know, meaning proper closure. And I think all of us have some people in our lives where there wasn't proper closure. And you can actually communicate that this is about closure, this isn't about... And the word closure is a very good kind of, uh, I mean, it's a bit passive aggressive, I suppose. But, but when you use the word closure, you're saying like, we're closing this off here, you know, but if it, if something ended in a way that there was no closure, so you want that closure, you want that closure. And, and, it, and it's important to have one of the big questions though, and this is more for people who are in the secular dating world is, um, are you supposed to have closure with people you should never have been involved with in the first place? 
You understand? People get involved in all kinds of relationships in the secular world that are inappropriate. And is it a, should they be opening it up to get the closure with someone that could easily, you know, like, this is someone, you know, uh, he just does not belong with this lady. But if he calls her and does this beautiful closure with her, she may say, oh my gosh, like, no guy's ever done that before. I love you. And then we're like, oh man, you know, and next thing you know, you, you know, Yankees married to Christina Cross. So, meaning some of these, some of these couples just aren't, aren't really born to be together. Um, so you got to be a little careful with, with closure um, to make it real clear with some people that it's closure. Or sometimes it's just inappropriate altogether. I Meaning it's just not appropriate to to open that up. And um, also, you can never um, underestimate the power of a written letter of closure. You know, you can also do something in writing where you're not really developing a new anything. You're just, you know, you're just writing. And... Um, but the stages of forgiveness is what, what we're going to go through in the workshop. The stages of forgiveness is, is how you take full ownership for what people have been dealing with in their relationship with you. How you, how you actually own it. How to own things on an authentic and real way. And it has a massive impact on people when you really are authentic with them. Um, when I was a young man... I hurt someone very badly. I'm talking when I was in my, like, surfing, you know, skateboarding in pools and skate parks and surfing around the world, and I had long hair, and I was, like, 12 years old, you know, and lead singer and lead guitar player of a band. And I hurt people back then. You know, I was, I was you know, totally stuck in stupid, stupid ways of being that were really now I understand just to protect myself from some, you know, very raw places in my heart. Um, I, the person I probably hurt the most that entire time, who's was so badly hurt that he never recovered. We're talking like, you know, this man's in his, this man's probably 50 at this point or in his fifties. Um, never recovered from what I did to him. And it wasn't like I ever did one bad thing, but it was like time, you know, it was like years of abuse that he went through by me playing cool. And and this guy is someone who, this guy is like Mr. Resentment, you know, like he's got, you know those people who have like this long list of everything you ever did to them and they let you know it about once a year? You know those types? <laughs> Maybe you are that type. So he's one of those types where you just, you get on his wrong side and you get this long, long list of like everything you ever did to him. Well, I used the work that, uh, that I'll be sharing in the next days. Um, I used that work with him and it was a tearful and, you know, intensely authentic, you know, requesting of forgiveness from him but really authentic like really really like taking responsibility for what this guy went through at a result of my you know stupid antics and and he 
completely let it go, but completely forgave me. And I, I deserve it because I went that far, but, but I, but what happened to him, you would think no one deserves it. And by the way, he lets that list go. Meaning he, he's, he's regurgitated his list to almost everyone we have in common. They all get the list every year, once or twice a year from him. I used to also get it. Um, since I asked forgiveness from him, it was about 20 years ago. There's no more list. It's gone. The guy got rid of his list. And most of what he suffers in his life today is because of me. And he got rid of it. He let it go. And I didn't ask him to either. I, that was not part of it. I just took responsibility for myself. And and he just completely released it. So there's a there's a structure to this. There's a way to do this where you why am I telling this long-winded story? I'm telling this long-winded story because there's a structure to asking forgiveness such that you could have harmed someone that badly and they'll let it go. You're you're clean with them. You understand what that's like? Meaning that person's going to die with, or sorry, people are going to die with, people are going to die with whatever they did to someone on their lit on, on them. You know, meaning that this stuff sticks to us. We, your soul wears three garments, thought, speech, and action. Those are the garments of the soul. And your garments, if you don't wash them while you're alive, you got to go upstairs for the wash. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not a nice wash cycle. I don't know the last time you jumped into a giant industrial washing machine, but it ain't pretty. You know, you, you want you want all the thoughts and all the speech and all the action are your garments. And you don't want to go upstairs with that. And, and, and that is how we've harmed others. Now think about it. If someone else is ruminating about you, Remember we spoke about us ruminating about things? What if someone else is ruminating about you and aging and reflux and constipation and and um, and not being able to be present and experience the joys of life because they can't stop reviewing what you did? So... You don't, you don't want, you don't want that on your schedule up there. Yeah. You don't want that showing up as they say in the Bronx, ain't nobody got time for that. And it's not, it's just, it's not for you. Not for you. Okay. I'm going to open up a little bit to questions. Any questions? Got a whole bunch of you on the screen. So happy to take questions from people. What's your questions? Anyone got questions? Facebook, you can also uh, type a question if you want. How's the leg? <laughs> Thank you for following. <laughs> Thank you for following my little disaster. Um, I can't. I, I can't keep up with you because I don't know where you are. You're traveling a hell of a lot. Trying to call you. Phone me. Forward me your number. <laughs> it's the same number, mate. So, anyway, I haven't, I haven't got it. 
What? Did you lose your phone or something? It's the same number we always WhatsApp on. Yeah, yeah it's exact, exactly. You just forward me my, my, your number, please. I'd like to save it. I have been. I wanted to uh, wish you a full shalema with the uh, injury. Yeah, I was wondering why. I was wondering why I didn't hear from you. Um, let's. Uh, you, you know, do you have a pen on you, mate? You have a pen now. Are you trying to be a Londoner? Do you have a pen? I'm getting a pen for you. Okay. So you I just, could... I, I was just detecting a London accent there. <laughs> you remember? You remember? You're talking to a Cockney. I know I'm talking to a Cockney. <laughs> <laughs> not a Bronx. Not. I'm, I ain't from the Bronx. You guys have no idea my relationship with this guy. This guy was in my seminar some, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago. And he, and by the way, I really appreciate that. No, you, no, 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 no. I really appreciate that you came to my Zoom class with no shirt. So, and the, uh, he's, I've just done a workout. Oh, mate. Boxing. Yeah, you're looking strong. So anyway, the, um, anyway, but he was a run, one of my first runners. He was one of my first runners. You know, every, I, once every two years, I'll have a runner. He was one of my first runners and, and he's a tough, you can see he's a tough guy. He's, he's box. He's a boxer. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like only God would give me a boxer for a runner, you know? And, uh, <laughs> Baruch Hashem, we got him back in the seminar and he finished with flying colors and we've been connected now. How many years is it, mate? I was in Yeshiva in 2005. Okay. We're in 2020. Nice, nice. 15 years. Nice, nice. Okay, gang. Um, any questions besides my leg? Oh, I didn't answer. My leg's doing great. I'm walking, which is a bit miraculous. Good. I'm walking. I okay. I, I use crutches um, to just make sure I don't, um, so I, that I'm walking in good form. That's all. I Meaning I'm just taking a little weight off it because you heal faster if you don't start with a limp. Yeah. So I don't want no limp. Gotcha. And uh, here's the number, mate. Okay. It's uh, plus nine seven two. Everyone can take my number. Yeah. My WhatsApp's always available for everybody. Plus nine seven two five two eight three four four six six four. So eight five. Don't repeat it. I'll just say it. I'm just gonna say it again. You don't have to repeat it. Um, and I'm muting you now for the next question. Uh, it's plus nine seven two five two. Eight three four, four six, six four. And I do have Telegram, but I don't use it, unfortunately. Unless I'm like making drug deals or something. But apparently, it's better encryption than. Uh, I just know in Israel, it's famous for uh, the the marijuana sales. It's called Telegrass. And uh, anyway, but they they, uh, they they had a full open. It was like Amsterdam, like a full open you know, cannabis sales on Telegram. That's how I know about it. But I, I've never used that. I'm not a Telegram guy. And I guess if you send me a Telegram, I probably won't notice it. Um, yeah, anyone else have questions on forgiveness and whatnot before our workshop? Yeah, Michali. Hi, could you hear me? Hear you good. Go ahead. Okay, awesome. Um... Let's say neighbors who want more connection, right? What am I apologizing for? Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Like, very nice. They want connection. We have a very 
more than civil because we just got nothing to do with each other. Like they come, they do their stuff. I go, I do my stuff. Where does that come in? Could you talk more about that? What do you mean by that? First of all, you're not going up to random neighbors. This is a neighbor you suspect wants more connection. I maybe wasn't clear before. Okay. Yeah, I don't want you just walking up to your neighbors right now. This is this is a neighbor that you sus- don't need it. Yeah, this was a neighbor that you suspect wanted more connection, and it's been hurtful to them that they don't have it. You got that? Um, it could be you don't have it. Could be you don't have a neighbor like that. You know that that may not be that may not be you know a situation you have. So so the uh, but. But if you think through your community, think through your neighborhood, think through, uh, you'll notice that if, let's say, for example, your synagogue, you'll notice certain people say hi to you when you're there. And it's likely that the same person who keeps saying hi is the one who wants to have a little more than just hi. And, and so now you don't have to have more than just hi, but it might be worth it to have a little more. And just say to them, you know, I'm sorry, you know, if you've been hurt by that, I'm just probably one of the busier people and I come into shul and I just kind of dive in and then I go home to my family. But uh, you seem like a really nice person. Something like that. And I'm not too worried about neighbors. That I brought that up as a random example. It was like, I don't, I don't think I'm going up to any neighbors, you know, personally. Um, my neighbors, my neighbors would just think it was weird. Okay, uh, any any other questions? Questions? Uh, see if WhatsApp sent any questions, because I think I might just grab my guitar for the rest of this. Um, WhatsApp. There's some questions on the chat here, if you can see them. Okay. On the chat here yeah. in the Zoom. Yeah, I'll check see them out. Them? Let me just take care of WhatsApp. Will your work be good also if you can't forgive people, but not actually sure what they have done, just feel lots of resentment towards them. Yeah, for sure. That for sure you can Okay, and I'm gonna mute everybody again. And I'll check the chat now. And then I'll grab my guitar. Um, oh, thanks for printing, Sheila, all the info. Um, Ladies and gentlemen on the chat has all the info to join this this little healing ceremony we have going on over the next two days. I, I hope it was okay that I separated the men and the women, but I figured um, that people would be more participatory if they didn't, if they had only women and only men. That's what I figured. It's, people are generally more particip- participatory. Um, uh, will, when will there be one in Israel? I guess that has to do with the seminar. Ariel, um, and that's going to be um, announced. <laughs> but the earliest would be December. Um, and then I have, uh, do I need to ask forgiveness from the ex-husband? <laughs> um, yeah, you should ask. Is uh, Whoever asked that... Um, is the ex-husband married? You can just nod or not nod amongst the whole group if you're on here. Uh, did the person get married? Um, if they're married, you probably shouldn't. Um, but you should just forgive them in your heart. If they're not married, you should probably. 
And the reason why we don't, we generally don't have these kind of conversations with married people because it's just not appropriate when someone's already got their heart with someone else. It's better they stay that way. Um, what if someone has resentments towards you when you haven't done anything wrong? So that's what I, Michali was talking about. You apologize anyway. And, um, and it may come to bite you like it bit Michali, but usually it won't. The person's just so happy they got forgiveness. Um, what if you, here's another one. What if you think you have forgiven and it rears its head again down the road? Yeah, it means you're not done. So uh, uh, Avigal asked that question. So if you, if you thought you'd forgiven someone and then it burns again, the, the, the poison's back in your mouth from the, uh, you know, that means you, you didn't get to the bottom of the barrel with that person. We're going to be working through it deeply in the workshop. So obviously my goal is that whatever forgiveness you've got to do is final. I mean, that's why we're doing a two-hour workshop on it. It's like done. Like this is done, sealed. You know, this, is, this ain't coming back. Um, that's really why we're doing it. Um, what if you, what if someone owes you lots of money? How can you truly forgive them? Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. The excellent question. Um, I'll answer that question. Especially because we just had our station identification holiday, Rosh Hashanah. Um, Oh, and then, uh, okay, I see there's something on uh, on Facebook I'll answer in a sec. Um, so the question is, what if someone owes you a lot of money? Now, we just spent two days in full station identification, and that's that God's the king of the universe. And the king has obviously put some of your money in someone else's, or maybe a lot of your money, in uh, someone else's uh, hands. Or they messed something up for everyone, and you lost a bunch of money in it or you invested in someone and now it's all gone or, and they, and you know, they weren't, they knew it was going to go down the tubes and they didn't tell you whatever, all those situations. So, so the, so God's running the show. You know, I, I can tell you, I mean, I lost my cousin last year in, uh, 200. Come on in mommy. I lost my cousin last year in a $200,000 car. Uh, race car, um, you know, a, a street race car. I forget what the BMW is. Who knows the name of that one? The one that's a little race car. You can, it's street legal. Anyway, a wealthy guy. He, um, you know, but he, he widowed his wife and children. He, he was inches away from making the turn, but he just missed. That inch was too much. Front wheel hit it, flipped off the cliff, landed down by the ocean in uh, Palos Verdes only to be found like three days later. And he, um, you know, like, I, I, you can imagine how many people were envious of this guy. He also, he was a Ferrari, he collected, collected classic Ferraris. You know, like, imagine how many men envy this guy. This guy is the man. Now, probably was never a man. He probably was actually a little boy who was injured by his father, who was a Holocaust survivor. And he never ever became a man. So he, whenever a man doesn't um, get initiated by his father, so he has to, um, he's going to have to get the manliness externally. 
This is why men do stupid stuff and mess up their marriages and mess up themselves in relationships that are inappropriate. It's just more validation. They're just going for validation. This is why the porn industry thrives. It's, it's just a, a, that's how sickly the validation can get till it's just a, just, you know, completely dysfunctional. And, and the, uh, but they do the same thing with vehicles and they do the same thing with, with jet skis and off-road trucks and, and they, um, and they do the same thing in business. And what happens, we all envy them, but really these, some of these people are miserable human beings who never transferred from boy to man and therefore spend the rest of their lives seeking, seeking validation as a man from others, but always externally. Now, and, and, and I pity the fool who's married to one of these guys because, you know, it's a bottomless pit for the wife. And that's uh, just not, it's a turnoff to be married to such a man. And, and a woman can't give a man manhood. <laughs> it's like, it's, not, it's the wrong gender to be giving him that. And, the, you know, it has to come from a man. It should have come from his father, but now he's going to have to go through his own initiation process. So I'm thinking of actually starting a man training uh, seminar for men. Uh, man training seminar for men. Um, that was redundant. But the uh, but I'm thinking of working out one uh, soon. I'm already speaking to some people in America about it uh, who, are, who do men's training programs. Now... Um, you know what the problem is? Is all the all the men's training programs since the nineteen sixties have all been like teaching men to cry and stuff. It's like no, not exactly man training. Um, uh, by the way, tons of tears are going to be shed at him in the initiation. You know, because he's got to let go of some serious stuff, and there's some wounding. Some fathers w- wounded outright with words like sissy or little girl or God knows what else men say to their boys when they exactly needed the opposite but it's also passive fathers or workaholic fathers who missed out on the chance to let their son know how how wild he is or how dangerous that was and, or how proud he is of him for having whatever you know knocked some kid's lights out who was picking on him or something you know today like that would be considered a that bad parenting but believe me if you're a woman married to a man you you wish you're father-in-law had spoken to your son that way your husband that way when he was a young kid becoming a teenager and that that he would have been able to get the initiation into manhood men are warriors we are warriors you can fight all kinds of wars i wake up and go to sleep every day fighting the war of of interpersonal disconnect and I'm i'm a warrior for that and my wife's married to the warrior and she's, she's together, we're making victories constantly. And, uh, and it's an amazing, that's the relationship. Now, the, um, that was a really long-winded version, but of, of a, you know, something we're not even doing here. Listen, God's the king of the universe. You don't need, I was just talking about the money. That was a long divergence of the guy who crashed his BMW. Money is a blessing for someone, let's say, making a wedding. And maybe a curse. Maybe a curse. And if someone wound up with some of your money, 
or even a lot of it. You don't want that money. That money wasn't going to be good for you. Money has hurt more people than poverty has, that's for sure. You get that? Money's hurt more people than poverty. Poverty is also horrible. Biting poverty is a disaster. You know, and it's one of the disasters that modern human beings have eradicated more than, than any other time in all of world history. We have almost eradicated starvation from the planet. There's just a couple pockets left. Money, on the other hand, has destroyed people. And, and, and stolen parents away from their kids because of the lifestyle it engenders. And, and, um, and it is, it is, if someone's somehow wound up with a bunch of your money and lost it, or they're not giving it back, just say, take it. You know, like, I don't even want it anymore. You know, I, I don't even want that money. And yeah, you're thinking, well, all the stuff you'd buy and all, how much easier your life would be. Listen, God's the king of the universe. If he wants you to have the money, he'll get it to you. You know, whatever you, whatever you need to have, you're going to have. You got to be alacritous. You got to be busy. You know, like, like God wants us responsible and, and uh, making a difference in the world. And he's happy to let us monetize that. But money you lost with somebody you should be glad it's gone. And it's, uh, you, don't, you don't need it. You don't need it, and and my wife and I have, you know, you know, we've we've laughed about some of the situations where money disappeared, you know, because of uh, people. <laughs> we're just like, you know, these people were felt so bad, you know. We're just like, it's fine, you know. It's you don't you don't live in a shtetl in Jerusalem to be letting money bother you, you know. We're we're just you know, we're not we're not living it, that lifestyle here. Okay, there were a couple questions on Facebook. We're going to end in one sec. Um, thinking if I should play y'all a song. Do you guys want a song? Anybody want a song? Uh, let's see. My phone's so sensitive here. Uh, someone agrees with me. Uh, thanks for agreeing with me. Um, should I be asking forgiveness from my non-Jewish Christian father who was unhappy with my my exploration into Judaism <laughs> great question for sure you should ask forgiveness for sure you're not asking forgiveness for becoming Jewish but but that it's been so hard for him and hurtful for him I mean you're basically you know you're going to burn in hell forever in his opinion and he loves you and for sure you should, you know, ask forgiveness for that. Let's see what happens if I pull my guitar out. The only thing I'd enjoy more than playing guitar for you all would be if someone better than me at guitar would come play guitar for me too. Uh, I so much more love listening to a guitar player than being the guitar player. Actually, take my leg off the table. I've had my foot raised this whole time, like literally. Oh. Lay, you here? My wife was here a little earlier. 
I can't expect, don't expect it to sound perfect on the guitar. Um, I usually get it right by the last round. Uh, this song is f um, by our sages, uh, written in the Pirkei Avos, the Ethics of Our Fathers. And it's, um, it is, the, I'll, tell you, I'll teach you the, the three things they, they teach. Number one is that you should um, get yourself a guide. It says, it says in Hebrew, Aselecha Rav which means you need a Rav, and you got to make yourself one. you got to find someone and make him your Rav. Aselecha Rav. Doesn't, yeah? So get yourself a guide in life. you got to have someone guiding you. And I have a whole thing. I have a 10 steps in finding a guide, meaning what you got to look for in a guide. Okay? Um, I'm not giving you that right now. So Aselecha Rav. The second one is Ukne. By the way, Alicia, did you ever hear that share on uh, how to find a guide? It's a vintage shear. I think it's... I, th I have not heard of it. It sounds like something I need here. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. It's an oldie. It's like 10 years old. Okay. Um, anyway, Aselech HaRav means uh, get yourself a teacher. Ukne Lecha Chaver means buy yourself a friend. Very strange language. Kne means to buy, kone. To buy, buy yourself a friend. What does it mean, buy yourself a friend? Have you ever noticed that family members, whether you invest in them or not, they're still your family member? Unless someone's, like, dysfunctional. And have you noticed that with friends, you either invest or they're gone? So our sages, amazing. They were saying, you need a good friend in your life. But they use the language, kane, buy, meaning you got to invest in that relationship. You don't invest, they may still love you. But there's no relationship unless you invest in it. So that's which means um, invest. And the last one, and this one's specific to what we worked on today, is which means, and you should um, always judge people favorably. You know, the, meaning before you throw... Before you lock somebody up, this is our whole class, that's why I'm doing this song. Before you lock someone up, throwing away the key, there must be a reason to set them free. So, the, the, meaning, can you, can you even make one up? Can you make up a reason to set them free? Because if you can set them free, you're free. So, even if you have to be creative, oh, they must have this, or they must have that, or, or boy, they must have had a horrible upbringing. There must be a reason to set them free. And that's judged favorably. Okay, y'all ready? Can't believe I'm doing this song. 
is a more challenging song to do, which is exciting. I like challenges. It's the hard part. One second. The problem is the hard part is the beginning. Okay, you know what? Maybe practice it once. I think I got it. One, one time for clean. Yeah, I got it. Know that you're not gonna be right every time. Just to let you know Which is the way that you want to go I say lecha raf Ukne lecha chamer Baby dan Eskor ha-dam lecha Get yourself a teacher Earn yourself a friend Judge all people charitably Our fathers recommend So good, oh yeah. 
misunderstood. Before you lock them up, throwing away the key, there must be a reason to set him free. I say, the Chaurav, Last little logisticas. I really enjoyed today. It was great being back. Oh, my gosh. I love being in my studio and sharing with you all. And um, so this is all going on um, starting tomorrow. Um, it's going to be the men, 3 to 5 workshop. And uh, and then the women's will be on Thursday, 3 to 5. Um, still doing Sunday's Live, Baruch Hashem. I have a lot of uh, subscribers. Welcome to join that anytime. It's really special. Right now we're doing a full makeover for the holidays, the high holidays. Uh, very different than what we're going to be doing with the forgiveness. And we're doing a personal makeover. And uh, so that's going on. We got a, a session three, I think, tomorrow. And then the last session's right before Sukkot for the celebration part. And um, uh, possible use, as I said, are in November in the U.S. And, and, and I'm still deciding what's going to be our next module for Sunday's Live for that special uh, subscription, but uh, please join that. That's great. Um, at, so 3 to 5 tomorrow, 3 to 5 on uh, sun, on uh, Wednesdays for the women, and um, that's all Eastern times, and you can go online to raviyamto.com, just go on my uh, Zoom webinars and, and join that. Let's heal our lives and clean it all out. Definitely, definitely worth it. You're worth it. And uh, and your long, healthy life is worth it. Shalom, everybody. Blessings. Thank you. Thank you. Shalom, everyone. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.